Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is what the scripture says. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This morning we're going to focus on these three verses together, verses 21, 22, and 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I believe that Jesus wants to reveal the truth of just how much we're loved. And I, want, I believe that this morning Jesus wants to reveal the truth of the massive reality that it is that God is actually with us. So as we dive into the scriptures together and tune our hearts as a community into the way of Jesus in this Christmas season, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that as we read your word, oh, it reads us. We thank you that you desire this morning to give us divine revelation of who you are. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. I ask that over these minutes and moments that, Holy Spirit, you would fall so fresh on us this morning that our hearts would come alive in you. That, Father God, we might actually have courage this morning to believe that we are your beloved. That we would drop all of our preconceived ideas of church or people or pastors or your word or Christmas at the door. And that, Holy Spirit, Father God, Lord Jesus, we would encounter you today. That we would encounter and experience you, the one true and living God. We thank you for these moments so we get to gather around your word. Let our hearts be set ablaze because of it. We give you all the glory and we thank you. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Uh, This last Sunday we talked about how one of the first indicators of the Christmas season is Christmas lights. Uh, Lights popping up all around the city. Did you know that one of the second indicators of the Christmas season are trees? Have you noticed that? Christmas trees pop up all around the city and in the neighborhood, appearing in houses and businesses, on street corners, in downtown parks, all over the place. Trees are put up in preparation for Christmas. And I absolutely love Christmas trees. The smell of pine that fills your home unless you're an absolute lunatic and have a fake tree. Uh, They bring me joy. Uh, and steer my heart into the way. I'm only judging you on the inside. Only on the inside. Uh, But they're a reminder of what is on full display here in Matthew chapter 1 of what we just read. Uh, Christmas trees are one of the staple themes of this season, but for a reason far more significant than you and I might even be aware of. Verse 21, the scripture records, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Perfect love is on full display right here in Matthew chapter 1 of verse 21. And the gravity of this verse should wake up our hearts with wonder. Because of the truth that it is declaring. Look at it more closely and discover just how intimate it really is. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Awesome. We love that. Tell us more. For he will save his people from their sin. He will save who? His people. From what? Their sins. 
Meaning that Jesus, the living God, claims you and I as his own, while in the same breath declares that you and I are full of sin. You see, so much of the time, we disclude ourselves from the story of God or the joy of Christmas because of the sin that is in us or the sin that is around us. We deem ourselves too far gone or too bad of people or our story just isn't one that could actually be included in the greatest story ever told that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, we are in way over our head and we cannot save ourselves, but that does not mean that we are not invited into the story by Jesus. Verse 21, she will bear a son. His name is Jesus and he claims us as his own. He claims you and I as his own, for he will save his people from their sins. You and I are included and invited into this truth. The truth that you and I are his, and the truth that you and I have sin. But you see, we cannot claim one without the other. We cannot claim that we have sin, and that does mean that we can never belong to the goodness of Jesus. No. And we cannot claim that we belong to Jesus, but sin does not still wage war in our hearts. For the truth of Christmas is that we are in need of a Savior, but the joy of it all is that the Savior calls us beloved. What does this all have to do with the significance of Christmas trees and the incredible reminder that they are? The scripture records, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew, in this moment at the birth of Jesus, is pointing us all the way to the death of Jesus on the cross. The way in which Jesus saves his people, all of humanity, from our sins. That historically a Christmas tree all started as a reminder of the cross. That you and I might wake up in the morning, peel the crusties from our eyes, jaunt down that stairwell and be gazing, looking at a tree that reminds us and jolts our heart alive to the truth that we are dead in our sin without the cross of Jesus Christ. That the trees lit up all over the city and the neighborhoods are supposed to be a constant symbol and reminder that the God who created us became one of us and died on a tree, fulfilling what it says in Isaiah 53 of the scriptures. That he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The cross was a way of torture and death. The cross symbolized death. Yet Jesus took a symbol of death and turned it into a symbol of life for all of humanity. That when you and I look at a Christmas tree, we're not filled with grief and sorrow. We're filled with joy for the goodness that we have a Savior. And he has come to save his people from our sins. Because the cross of Jesus Christ and in his resurrection defeats sin, hell, death, and the grave. And invites us into the truth of Christmas. That the living God put on skin and bone, moved into the neighborhood, and was strung up on a cross even though he was sinless. So that all of humanity could come to life and again in the glory of Christmas. In the truth that he will save his people from their sins. But all of it runs even deeper than that. Because as Matthew in chapter 1 is pointing us at the birth of Jesus to the death of Jesus on a cross. He is also reminding us that Christmas is not just a great story. No, even better, remember? Jesus and his arrival of Christmas will bring about a renewal of creation itself. The Christmas tree and the cross is Genesis 3 being reconciled. Maybe you're familiar with the story. It's commonly known as the fall where sin enters the human heart of all of humanity. The scripture records this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. 
He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. The Lord God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. What a moment. But look at the details. The trees in the midst of that garden at the beginning of creation, what are they doing? The Lord God is providing life for all of the people. That cross at Golgotha, what is it doing? The Lord God is providing life for all of the people. Christmas trees all around the city and in our homes, what are they supposed to be reminding of us of? That Jesus, through the cross, is providing life for all of the people. That Jesus, as he goes to the cross and dies, is providing life for all of humanity. But it goes on, the enemy wiggles his way into humanity, convinces Adam and Eve to take of the fruit. Verse 7, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, exposed, and ashamed. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, exposed, and I hid myself. But you see Jesus coming at Christmas? Oh, he reconciles this moment. For how does Jesus at Christmas come into the world? Not a smoking furnace like that to Abraham. Not a pillar of fire like that of Israel. Not a hurricane or a tornado like that of Job. Not radiance so bright that Moses couldn't even look at him. No, Jesus comes into the world a savior as a baby. Naked. Exposed. Completely vulnerable. In absolute need and dependence. But even more, how does Jesus save all of humanity? Naked. Exposed strung up on a cross for our sins so that we could be invited to life again, redeeming and reconciling the fall of man as we see in Genesis 3. But it goes on. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas is the Lord God again coming back to look for humanity. He came and dwelt among us. Where are you? I want you to know my love. Remember Matthew 1? All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. How do we reconcile humanity hiding from God in Genesis 3? We can't. We're full of sin. So the Lord God does. He comes to us. 
The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, the incarnation did not happen merely to just let us know that God exists. No. Christmas happened to bring God near to reconcile humanity back to himself so that we could walk again with God in the garden. So that we would know just how truly loved we are and that humanity no longer needs to hide from the one true God. Because Jesus saves his people from their sin. Jesus saves his people from their nakedness, from their exposedness, from their shame, their shame and brokenness. How? By coming into the world naked and exposed. And by dying on a cross naked and exposed. Christmas puts on full display how intimate our God really is to us. Because have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been lonely? Have you ever faced death? Have you ever faced sorrow or grief? So has Jesus. No, 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 no but, but you don't understand. I, I've prayed for things and it, God ignored my prayer. Moments before this, Jesus goes to the cross. He, he cries out, Father, take this cup from me. And the Father doesn't. Jesus knows what that feels like. You might say or feel at times, but, but God has abandoned me. What do you think Jesus was saying on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, but you don't understand. Sometimes it feels like I'm in constant need and my sinful nature is just too much for me and I feel helpless and I can't take care of myself. Much like that of a baby born at Christmas. Absolutely vulnerable. Absolutely helpless. In full dependency that this must actually be the perfect and good will of the Heavenly Father. You see, Christmas shows us that God has been the places that we have been. He has stared darkness in the face. He has been naked, exposed, and ridiculed and betrayed. He has tasted death and knows the deep sorrow and sadness of our hearts. He was born a baby in full dependency so that we would be reminded it is only in our full dependency that we can actually truly know that the Lord God absolutely loves us, redeems us, and reconciles us. You see, Jesus born at Christmas because he saves his people from their sin. He loves us so much that he chose willingly to go to the cross for us. That this Christmas tree symbolizes more than we could ever ask or imagine because the living God invites us into the story. Last night, Alyssa, Asher, Marvin, and I, we went downtown Geek Harbor to the Christmas tree lighting, and it was absolutely awesome. And in the midst of, like, Asher screaming and crying, Marvin screaming and crying, my hands are freezing, Alyssa's like, this is so fun. And I'm like, no, it's not. But, like, then they stop crying, so you're like, oh, this is absolutely fantastic. And then your friend's kids start crying, and then our kids start crying, and then they all stop crying, and then they all start crying again. And you're like, this really is the most wonderful time of the year. Like, praise God for this. But there was, like, hundreds of people there. And it was awesome, and it was dark, and they did this really cool countdown, like started at 10, and Asher's joining in. It was like a Hallmark movie. Maybe you were there. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. And this tree all of a sudden is like, and lights up, and everybody's huddled around it. And in this moment, I just like wanted to scream out, do you know what this means? Do you know how good this is? Do you know that the living God absolutely loves you? That we are all huddled around this cold area looking at this tree to remind us that there is a God who came and dwelt among us, moved into the neighborhood, put on skin and bone so that you and I could be alive again forevermore. Do you know how amazing this is? I feel like the Spirit whispered in my heart, do you know how amazing it is? Do you know how amazing it is? And maybe that's a question for you this morning. 
do you know how amazing it is? That you look at these Christmas trees to remind us the cross of Jesus Christ declares that God is with us. But even more than that, he loves us and desires us and saves us from our sins. That you and I, we don't have to worry anymore because Jesus has triumphed over sin and death so that we would never be naked and exposed again. So that the grief and shame and sadness in our hearts could be healed by the Savior who has scars in his hands from the tree that he died on. A tree that we put in our living room. A tree that we light up downtown the city. As a reminder of our sin and the joy that Christmas means that yes, we have a Savior. But we also have the only sacrifice that could ever cut it. Do you see it? This Christmas story. Not just making our moments more merry and bright but with truth so deep that it's a renewing of all creation itself in our hearts along with it. The question should be then for us as a community, how do we get this Emmanuel, this God with us, actually with us in all of our ordinary moments? Most certainly and first and foremost, the truth of by recognizing our sin, our need, not theirs, our need. Do we really believe how amazing this really truly is that he will save his people from his, our sin? And in the joy of repentance, turn into that truth. Turn into the truth that you and I are included and invited in this story. That no matter our story, by his grace, he invites us into his. But the practical application for the good news of Christmas is by really truly believing that God is with us. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That the same spirit born at Christmas, his joy, peace, and way of life is yours and mine for the receiving and applying to all of our ordinary moments. You see, Jesus comes, God in a bod, moves into the neighborhood, and we commonly think, man, oh man, I wish Jesus was like God with me. Like Kramer, I get what you're saying, Emmanuel, but like I need God with me, next to me, physically here. It would be absolutely amazing. I would know what to do. I would know not to do. I could apply it to every single moment of my life if Jesus was physically right here with me. And all of us in this room would probably agree on that. Except Jesus. Except Jesus. John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see, as we believe the truth of Christmas, that God is with us, that the Savior has come, and if we turn from our sin and receive that truth, we receive along with it an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus speaks of that will lead us and guide us moment by moment in all of our ordinary lives, that will give us God awareness so that every time we look at a Christmas tree, we're reminded of just how much we're loved, that every step, that every thought, that every moment will be lived in step with the Spirit so that the new reality that Jesus brings on Christmas morning will become our reality here and now. And the reason that this is so awesome is because the Christmas spirit that you and I get all so holly and jolly about that gives us peace and joy and moves us into people loving this time of year is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is what causes us to leap for joy in all of our ordinary moments because God is actually with us. Remember when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth when she's prego with Jesus? Luke 1, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah and entered the house of Zechariah. 
The scripture records, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb with joy, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Christmas is God with us. Jesus, born Savior, he goes to the cross as sacrifice for all of humanity, rises again, ascends into heaven, but declares, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. But we're all like, oh, no, Jesus, I want you next to me. Like, I need you next to me. But you see, if Jesus is next to you, then the power is next to you. And the truth of Christmas is that God is with us. Not so that the power would be next to us. No. So that the power would be in us. So that the powerful love of the truth that the gospel changes everything would be in us and overflow out of us. That the one true God loves us so much that he doesn't want the power next to us. He wants the power of his love inside us and being the actual focal point in forcing life of our whole entire existence. And that by us actually believing the truth of Christmas, that the one true God is with us, the Holy Spirit would come alive in us and move and work and shake in all of our ordinary moments. How do we live into the joy of Christmas? How do we live into the joy that God is with us? How do we remember that these Christmas lights are a reminder that, yes, the world is dark, but take heart, the light has come. How do we remember that each time we look at a Christmas tree, we would be reminded that Jesus chose the cross so that we didn't have to? How do we actually live into the truth that God is here and now and this Christmas story changes everything about everything? Live by the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. Have all of our lives tuned to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that people would know that the God of Christmas, oh, he didn't come to bring shame. No. He's the Savior. His name's Jesus. And he came with life in his hands for all of humanity. You see, Christmas is a story that love has come down. But it has come down to make its way in. Into the very root bed and fabric of humanity. Because the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy, remember? For the Savior in Mary's womb is the fulfillment of Isaiah. The reconciliation of Genesis. The declaration that he will save his people from their sins. Leap for joy this Christmas. Because the boy inside Mary's womb carries not only the Holy Spirit come to earth, but carries the cross for all of humanity. A cross that declares that you and I are so absolutely loved by the God who created us. A cross that declares that this Jesus, oh, he is God with us. But even better, he is God alive in us.